video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, my name is Justin Nicluder. I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. We do. It's a a manageable week. It's a manageable list. Gone are the days when the Blu-rays and DVDs flowed like wine. Why is that? I know, when we were struggling to fit the entire list into like an hour runtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when there was like a hundred titles. Now there's more like, ooh, I don't know. A couple dozen, I think. Mm, a few. I mean, there's like a solid list here, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of, you know, stuff we can blaze through. So I think. we have, <laughs> starting with another release of an American werewolf in London. My yeah. God. I wasn't even going to put this on the list, but you, you said you want to talk <laughs> well, about it, Well, right? I mean, I just love that it exists. So they did a special edition, right? A big limited edition. Is this their second release? Was there something in between there? This is their third release. So they did. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, they did the initial run, which is like comes in the box with the book and the poster, how they usually do. Then they took that out of print and did a repackage where it was just basically the disc. Now they're redoing it again. They seem to be doing this with a lot of their titles now, or at least their bigger ones. They're doing steelbook editions because they just announced Yeah, because they're copying uh, Shout Factory. Yeah, because 12 Monkeys is coming out in a little bit too, which they did like a couple years ago. And I just – but there's nothing different about this. I mean, I looked at the back. It doesn't seem to include – you know, if they were going to include one or two extra things, then that (laughs) that wouldn't be cool though either because all those people who bought the original one. Yeah, I think about that when I, you know, do Gold Ninja video stuff is that I can't be like, it's back in print. Here, have another 500 copies. Because it's like, yeah, uh, well, what about the other people who bought it? So I always take something away. It's like, you missed out. People get mad. People get heated. Yeah, it's like, listen, I don't believe in socialism or communism. <laughs> I want it just for me. Me! Um, but yeah, I'm starting to kind of like dislike an American werewolf in London. You point, don't have to watch it, it every time out. it comes out or anything like that. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm, I have to force to sit in front Where of it. Where is Arrow's release of an American whale from Paris. Oh, that's right up my alley. Yeah, I was a big fan of that as a kid. And also, you can't even include that as like a special feature or something. Just put it on as like a bonus feature. You know? So we also have from Warner Archive. Did you hear? Is Warner Archive like closing down? No, What's going on down no. there? Oh, are they? I mean, they keep announcing good uh, new releases. They got a whole slate for next month. I, so. I just listened to their podcast and it seemed like they're like, this is our last podcast. No more podcasts from us. So Maybe they're just I, shutting down their podcast or something. And they're switching to Amazon only. So you may not even get any releases anymore. Uh, I'll have to rectify that. <laughs> yeah, order archive, going to Amazon, order ordering. So, I don't know, though, because we we actually just got a new supplier for Warner Archive stuff. So it would be odd unless it's just going to be completely like the older stuff that they had out and they're just not going to supply any new stuff. But it would be odd to like get a new supplier for them and then they just like can't get it anymore. But I'm going to have to look into that because we sell a ton of Warner Archives at the store, especially this title. Isle of the Dead. This is the Val Luton film, right? Or, you know, technically it's uh, not directed by Val Luton. It's directed by Mark Robson, but everybody calls it the Val Luton film. Yeah, it's part of that Val Luton box set that came out that was very popular back in, like, the early days of DVD. Now I think Warner Archive's slowly putting them all out individually on Blu-ray. Yeah, because they want your money. Exactly. And then they'll do a a DVD set afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they'll put them all together in, like, one of those Blu-ray boxes. Um, yeah, this one has been insanely popular, though, just like the other ones they've released. Um, haven't seen it, but... For shame, Mark. 
for shame. Have you not seen this? Have you not done your... No, I've seen Isle of the Dead. Yeah, a long time ago. It's only like an hour long, too, so it's easy to get through. I've seen some of the Val Luton films, just not this one for you've some reason. You've seen one? You've seen them all. <laughs> I know. I watched... Uh... The bo- was the body snatcher yep, part of that? The body snatcher part of that. Yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen how I walked with a mm-hmm. zombie. Cat people? Uh, yeah. And you've seen the 80s cat people, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> of course. You of course. are a um, dad from Home Alone completist. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, moving on, we have the Bermuda Depths. I love the poster for this one. Uh, it's not oh, on the man, Warner Archive yeah. one, but like the painted poster is like, Two people on a wave. It looks like a Frank Frazetta uh, thing. And it, yeah. it's written, it came up, up, up from the Bermuda depths. Wait, is this about, oh, a giant turtle? Wow. It's a giant turtle, yeah. Uh, this is a fun, weird little movie. Carl I actually just Weathers. watched this this week. Oh, yeah. love Carl Weathers. <laughs> so have you, have you not seen this no, movie? No, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I just watched it this week because I have a weird fascination with Bermuda Triangle stuff. I just oh, find it. Oh, this is by a Japanese director who did that Hanna-Barbera Last Dinosaur film. Yeah, so it was a Jules Rankin production, I believe, uh, for made, made for TV. No, Rankin and Bass. Rankin and Bass. It's right there in the name. Yeah. So he split off and I guess did a bunch of like TV movies, stuff like this, uh, with this director. And yeah, this was because of his fascinating apparently he moved to bermuda while making this movie and just stayed there for the rest of his life because he loved it so much because so i really feel like this is his like ode to bermuda because it's not really that scary or anything they make it seem like it's some really like scary horror movie but no it's kind of just like yeah but a guy who like comes it's back. a tv movie it's though a TV isn't movie. it yeah it's a guy who like comes back to bermuda where he grew up and he has this memory of like interacting with this strange lady and also like this turtle when he was a kid but he can't really remember it and then it turns out yeah he had this like relationship with this like magic turtle how much turtle puppet is There's in the movie not enough not nearly enough turtle puppet in the movie unfortunately that the turtle stuff i mean they use a real turtle for a lot of it and then uh, yeah oh no boo that's I the know, worst yeah there's definitely not they, they sell you on this like giant turtle kind of thing and it never really comes to fruition uh but you know what oh. it's still kind of like yeah, you know, I, I went to Bermuda when I was a kid and then thought it was like... Were you searching for the triangle? I know, I was searching for the triangle. And I just thought it was like the most beautiful, cool, laid-back place. And it just like took me right back to those memories. It's just like got great Bermuda scenery. It's like if you want to like go on vacation via a movie, this is a great choice. <laughs> uh, and Carl Weathers is there and he's kind of fun. He plays uh, the lead character's friend. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a 70s TV movie. Like it doesn't really get too wild or crazy but i don't know it seems it seems like a lot of people saw this on tv as kids and because it's been selling well and everybody says like i don't really mm, remember yeah nostalgia yeah, like i don't really remember this but you know i definitely saw it on tv as a kid and thought it was kind of fun so. moving on we go into the world of vinegar syndrome who oh my god so many releases lately they have like 12 things coming out and they all seem good but they're like, you need to buy a box set that's like a hundred dollars. <laughs> and now they're doing all these Take uh, my money. like partner labels and stuff too, right? Like I just saw they announced all these like new sort of like sub label things and hooking up with like Altered Innocence and Music Box films and stuff. So Vinegar Syndrome has Hitcher in the Dark, the Umberto Lenzi film that you know, like most Umberto Lenzi pictures, is not that good. No, yeah. I- can't can't say I've seen this. I, his stuff just real all sleazy together. late '80s. I think its advantage is that it's in that period of time where the Italian production company was shooting a lot of stuff in America with like one-time actors. Uh. So 
you get some real like ham shot on location sound uh, performances. But it's about like a like whiny rich boy with some mother complex who kidnaps a young woman and like drives around. Uh, with her in his camper van as he's like mother and he like tries to make her look like his mom but he also like rapes her oh, and stuff like that so yeah it gets sounds pretty gross like a lensy joint that's for sure he got sleazy in his later years but i feel like lensy as a director is like very cardboard like the the, the passion of someone like fulci isn't there and i know you don't like no fulci, I, but so. you know what i can definitely respect the passion of fulci i think fulci is somebody like i admire more than I actually like enjoy his films. Lindy is de- like the definition of a journeyman. Yeah. Like he's like, oh yeah, I'm here I'll do the job. Maybe I'll do it efficiently. And I say that, do I have the Lindsay box set that um, <laughs> you do? <laughs> I do. But did I buy the Mondo Macabro? Um, discs that they put out that lensing? No, no, I drew the line. Uh, <laughs> do I own the Hitcher in the Dark one? Yes, yes, yes do. I do. You will I that, probably uh... sell it? I think I will. <laughs> Because I'm never going to watch it again. You have that Tough Ones uh, release they did, too. And that was pretty good, right? Oh, yes. Definitely. But that's right. a Grindhouse uh, release. I will buy everything Grindhouse release puts out, even if I don't oh, like yeah. the movie. I think the only one of his films I've actually seen is Cannibal Ferox, just like looking through his stuff. No, not and a yeah, big fan I of that one either. I don't really like that one. So. so moving on, we have The Fear from 1995. And you watched this one, right, Mark? I did. I watched this on your recommendation, actually. And it was a good recommendation is that you just know what's up. I just know alley. you, right? You like, know. I saw the movie and i'm like mm, this is mark <laughs> well honestly like 10 minutes into it you get like the west craven cameo is like a psychologist they're all talking about like dreams and young and then you get this whole thing with this like mannequin wooden doll sort of thing i was just like you got like 90s college students going to a cabin in the woods for a fear experiment it just like hit all the like mark it hit all the boxes on the checklist for me like i've been seeing a lot of people giving this shitty reviews i guess maybe they expect like a slasher film or something like that when yeah, they watch the movie i don't know i definitely remember the cover of this like from the video store oh, yeah, when I was a kid. it's a very uh, gripping cover yeah when you suggested it to me i totally recognized it but i didn't really know much about it and i tried to go into it just kind of like not knowing much other than what you told me um and yeah i guess you'd be disappointed if you're expecting like a slasher in the woods kind of thing or because it's not really that. It seems like it might be going in that way, but but it's it like kind of really. got that like the room it uh, totally definitely does um, <laughs> deadly um, lessons vibe, where it's like everybody is like psychologically analyzing each other, <laughs> and they'll reveal at the drop of the hat this like really deep backstory that nobody asked for. Oh, I know. They're like you're my you're my brother or my son that I gave up for adoption. Yeah. And it's like, what <laughs> that that whole relationship really weirded me out. I, I didn't understand. <laughs> was really thrown off by that and yeah there's so many traumatic backstories and everything that are just like thrown at you out of nowhere and then at the end um i was worried because you get this wooden dummy who's just this guy in dummy makeup <laughs> Which is so good it's just so perfect. and i was like oh no is he like never gonna come to life oh he comes to life mm-hmm. at the end <laughs> oh he does and i, I have and he's to... like running around all over the place and it gets like super surreal as everybody must face their fear <laughs> It is, like, the creepiest-looking doll, too. Like, why any kid would want this doll is beyond me. I mean, it's got that whole, like, pin kind of thing where it's just, like, a life-size. It's just, like, a life-size. It's just a guy in, like, a, a wood suit. Who keeps, like, suit. popping up all yeah. over the place. Like, he's in the hot tub. 
place. <laughs> yeah, he, when he's in the hot tub, that's too good. Uh, I love how the guy is like, oh, you definitely put him in the hot tub. How else would he have gotten here? She's like, I didn't do it. Why would I do this? You'd think somebody would have seen her like carry this giant thing out to the hot tub too, to like put it in there. And it has one of the greatest like final defeats of a villain. Oh, <laughs> man. You're like, I know. I, Wait a minute. I have to say, I felt kind of bad for the doll guy at the end. <laughs> yeah, but he kind of nods and he smiles and they shake hands. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, there was a bit of like a Terminator 2-esque sort of like <laughs> yeah, when he... That's exactly when, what it is. It's a little bit end. of Terminator 2. But the final shot, yeah, when he like, you know, the, the new family goes and he interacts with that kid is too funny. The is way they ended on a freeze frame. It's like, almost like, like he's... Smiling? Yeah, I thought he was going to give him like the thumbs up for a second there and it was going to just end on that. There was a fear too. Oh, no way. Was there? Yeah. When I learned, I was like, what? There is. None of the creative team other than the producer came and did it. And it looks more like a straight slasher. But... Uh, the dummy's back. What's his name? It's like Wally uh, or something Monty. like that. It's Monty. Monty. That is a great name for a wooden And he dummy. even has his own theme song, remember? He's got Monty's theme at the end, a rap song that plays over the end credits. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. This is Mark movie oh, all man. over. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack is great. It's full of, like, 90s rap tunes that I've never heard of. It's I think it's, like, some... I, I don't know who the artist is or anything, but they have a full-on rap theme song for Monty at the end called, Mon- called like, The Fear, a.k.a. Monty's Theme. Um, and you know what, Monty, like, yeah, he's kind of funny for a lot of it, but he also is, like, kind of creepy at first, too. Like, the way, way, before you get accustomed to him just being a guy, like, the way his eyes move, because it is just a guy in, like, this weird suit, is really, like, unsettling at first, and I was, like, really taken aback by it. It's really weird how, like, when you realize he's moving it seems like we're following monty and he's like Shh, yeah nobody knows i yeah. can move so like someone will walk through a room and you'll see monty's eyes move like he's like gotta be silent oh, yeah. still until i can move because i want to scare them because i am the fear i'm not even quite sure what was motivating him something to do with yeah the lead characters weird like parents I don't know, like the father, his father was abusive. And then the uncle got murdered them. Oh, we didn't even mention there's a whole sequence set like at a Santa village that has a Santa church. (laughs) Yeah, which is weird. And then, yeah, something bizarre happens to a character there. Oh, my God. We did. (laughs) He died for our sins. Which is just, yeah, right. Oh, we didn't even mention the white guy with dreads who is like one of the the characters in this. What a delight this movie is. Oh, this is just so much fun. Definitely an underrated like cheesy 90s horror movie yeah highly recommended it's just (laughs) you never quite know where it's going it's just like fun the whole time i I love the idea that when they get here like the first thing he wants to do for this fear experiment is just sit them all down in front of this this doll and have them talk talk to this doll about their fears it's just the funniest the funniest thing to me so what a delight what a delight it's not gory if you go in knowing that really no until the end where you're like whoa (laughs) yeah they've got some pretty cool gore effects at the end but up until then it's pretty pretty muted it's like pretty yeah like tv movie-ish kind of like we want a pg rating or something like that oh yeah it actually kind of has that like are you afraid of the dark sort of feel to it for a lot of it you know from the score from just it feels like it was shot in like ontario or something even though it wasn't i know it's like california so moving on we have um one of vinegar syndrome's partner labels pulse 
and they're putting out La Femme Objet, which is a French porno that I gotta admit, I watched and I'm like, eh, eh. No. Doesn't seem anything really that stands out with this one. <laughs> da dum dum. Is that like a oh, porn hey, pun oh, there? Oh, yeah. definitely a lot of stuff that stands <laughs> out. Well, you know what's great with this disc is there's like a documentary about the filmmaker who made the film, and you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, this sounds great. Like, and then you watch the movie and you're like, I don't see any of this in here. Because uh, it looks kind of intriguing. Yeah, I was looking it over and like, yeah, I, I, they definitely do a good job selling it on the package. It's like 90% sex scenes. Yeah. Which is too much, that's in my boring. opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty boring. So moving on, we have Jungle Trap, Run Coyote Run from Agfa Bleeding Skull. I love both these movies. I don't know if you've ever seen them. I haven't. I was definitely intrigued. I wanted to get to them this week and I just didn't have time. But I figured you'd probably... Uh, been, been familiar because with Because I am a Agfa Bleeding Skull, or specifically Bleeding Skull completist. You are. <laughs> I own both of these films on DVD when they did the releases. These are two Renee Harmon joints, and what's interesting about them is that Jungle Trap was an incomplete film that uh, the Bleeding Skull people uh, stumbled upon when they were interviewing the director. He's like, oh yeah, this is a film we made, we never finished. That's like a jungle kind of siege movie but like set all in like indoor sets uh, and they actually nice. edited the movie from the raw materials like created a new score shot a few inserts and then they put it out a couple years ago uh, run coyote run is a wild like re-edit of another film what was it called um it's not Sister Street Fighter. It's like something like that. It stars Renee Harmon. It's not Lady Street Fighter, is it? Lady or, Street Fighter. Yeah, okay. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's like a re-edit of that movie with new footage shot on VHS many, many, many years later yeah. where the character will like get <laughs> in a that. car and then it'll cut to like shot on film, chase scene. So <laughs> a delight. This, uh, both of these films together, mm, what a steal. If you haven't seen them, I would highly recommend picking them Beautiful. up. Beautiful. Yeah, that Bleeding Skull team is great. I'm definitely a big fan of Especially them. Especially now that they have Agfa... Uh, that I guess they have more funds to do stuff because previously they would do like limited uh, release, um, you know, direct to market DVDs totally, with shipping yeah. that costs like $20, $25. It was ridiculous. I remember when I ordered it, I was like, oh God, but I ordered them because I love their stuff. Maybe they'll do, um, which one do I have? Oh, it's, uh, it's Blonde Vengeance or something like that, uh, okay, which is a cool. really good shot on VHS movie that they only ever put on DVD. Uh. <laughs> So, moving on, we have, in the classic section, I'm glad you put this here, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> now, you might be wondering, uh, why, yeah, put out by Warner Archive, no less, and this is in 4K UHD. You might be wondering why we're talking about this, since this film was released on Ultra HD back when it first came out. I think Ultra HD was just starting up at that point. This has been the most sought-after release this month, I would say, by our customers. Did it go out of print, the previous well, version? No, or? apparently the original UHD was not mastered correctly, so Zack Snyder was not happy with the coloring job on it. And <laughs> more so than that, uh, apparently this restores the IMAX aspect ratio. Oh, which, so square. Yeah, which the original release didn't. Because when this first came up for order and everything, I honestly was going to pass on it because I thought... Hey, I mean, this has already been out. It's cheap. Like, the original version is cheaper than this. This is like a Warner Archive MOD. Like, who's going to want this? 
Apparently, everybody in Canada wants this release right Ugh, now. Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, not good, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess people are just feeling that, you know, Zack Snyder fever right now. You Mark's know? dodging around <laughs> the fact that he has not seen this movie. I have not seen this movie. Are you kidding me? As if I would sit <laughs> yeah. down and watch this movie. Um, I would not sully my eyes I with Zack Snyder. I saw this in 70mm oh at the Varsity God. Cinema. Were you excited for it at the time? Or was it just like an uh, obligation thing? I had thing? Um, ambivalent feelings toward Man of Steel. I wanted to like it. And I wanted to, you know, give Zack Snyder uh, the benefit of the doubt because he seems passionate. He has a definite style. And I remember sitting there miserable. It is a hilariously uneventful film. (laughs) The big action scene with Batman that every trailer showed happens in the climax of the picture. Uh, Like, that's how little happens in the film. Yeah, about what I expected. (laughs) I enjoyed Justice League. uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, so I am a man of contradictions. You know what? I don't actually have that much a problem with Zack Snyder. I never really have. I liked his films up until... I, I think I saw... I think I stopped watching his movies after Watchmen, but even up until Watchmen, I, I thought it was his stuff was good. Like I, I enjoyed it. I think it. that he is definitely a noteur who has a vision. I think it is, um, you know, kind of dumb most of the time. Wait, I hate using the word oh, dumb, definitely. but I'm using it in a negative connotation here. Well, uh, it's kind of he doesn't seem to think things out. There okay. we go. That's yeah, a better way to say it, right? Fair. That's fair. <laughs> and his version of Superman sucks. This like miserable Jesus figure yeah, that's who like what I wants heard. is doesn't want to help anybody. It's like, <laughs> okay, no thank you. Boring. <laughs> So moving on, we have Defending Your Life, the Albert Brooks film. You've seen this though, right, Mark? Uh, no, I haven't. You know, I've never, I think we've talked about, I feel like we've talked about this before. I just haven't really gotten into Albert Brooks, but I'm open to it. Yeah, uh, Defending Your Life, Albert Brooks dies, goes to heaven, and has to prove that he's lived a good life by watching <laughs> clips and stuff like that. Right, Very yeah. funny. Meryl Streep plays the perfect person who's also going through the process with him. And yep, Criterion's putting it out. Easy Criterion um, get. So, you know, if you like it, pick it up. Yeah, they're mining the Albert Brooks catalog these days, I think. I feel like they're going to try Looking forward to uh, Mother and <laughs> The Muse. I'm looking for comedy in the Muslim world. <laughs> That's actually a really fun Is one. Is it good? Okay. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So, moving on, we have Secrets and Lies, Mike Lee's film about secrets and lies. lies. Now, I love this movie. Big, big fan of this. I always liked Mike Lee a lot, and I've been waiting for this to get a Blu-ray release for, it seems like, forever, because the DVD's been out of print. Yeah, this is kind of like his signature movie, more or less. One of his signature movies. And, yeah, I mean, if you like Mike Lee, you've probably already seen this. You probably already have bought this. Uh, If you haven't, if you're looking to get into Mike Lee, this is a great place to start, just as, like, the perfect summation of his sort of like kitchen sink kind of realism mixed with like real like real humanity in his movies and real like great acting and just it, i just love his stuff Big so fan. moving on we have jeremy from fun city editions which is actually a vinegar syndrome sub label <laughs> yeah and this has been really popular too seems like people have been finding out about this recently uh, i didn't know much about this film but it's sort of like a coming of age drama from the 70s yeah it's about like a 14 15 year old he's in um you know early 70s 70s New York and he meets a young woman and they start a relationship nothing super like tragic happens they just have a fun time hang out in New York and you know eventually the movie ends and they have to go on with their lives <laughs> I didn't realize this either but apparently uh, this was this won the best first feature the camera door award at Cannes back in the day which is pretty cool uh, it was uh, all- well, I learned in the booklet that Fun City was actually an, an initiative in New York to encourage and like pay out 
um, grant so people would make movies in New York. And Jeremy is one of those films. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I, I saw they shot it all in like 16 millimeter on the streets of New York. It's like know, a documentarian seems... who did most of it. And the kid who stars in it, the spectacle nerdy kid, voice of the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Right, Robbie Benson, of course. Yeah. I like how you knew that name off the top of your head. I do, I do. I don't know why. It just sticks in my head. <laughs> we also have Rosebud from 1975. This is a Kino release, and it's about uh, the CI says a British reporter Peter O'Toole to find five rich girls kidnapped by the PLO off a yacht called Rosebud. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, look at this cast though: Kim Cattrall, Richard Attenborough, Peter O'Toole. Oh, yeah. Directed by Otto Preminger in his late period. Yeah, he was making all these star-studded flops, right? <laughs> this time, <laughs> people do not like this movie. No, <laughs> Just glancing no. quickly through the reviews. Yeah, this hasn't been selling as well as I thought it might, but. You know, some people are picking it up. We also have uh, Stiletto from 1969. And this is a movie about a district attorney tries to nail an aristocratic playboy who is killing thugs on behalf of a gangster friend. Uh, yeah. Starring Alex Kaur, Britt Eklund, Patrick O'Neill, and directed by Bernard L. Kowalski. Oh, wait. I, I recognize his face. Who is Bernard L. Kowalski? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, just I a TV director. <laughs> uh, okay. He did a bunch of Jake and the Fat Man, The Rebel. How's this one been selling? Uh, okay. I think it's based on a Harold Robbins book, I want to say, or something, which I think he's a big name. I don't know. This is something. <laughs> don't know who that is. This is before my time. Yeah, I don't really know much about this. We also have A Pain in the Ass, and this is about a contract killer um, who attempts to kill oh no uh ralph milan a hitman arrives in montpellier to kill an important witness he checks in a hotel without knowing that his neighbor has become neurotic after his wife let him uh, left him Ooh, looks like a silly comedy silly french comedy crime thing maybe uh, yeah from the director of la cage au folle and the original oscar not the um remake done by sylvester, sylvester stallone, stallone. <laughs> yeah. so moving on we have Lust Caution, it, the Ang Lee film, the period spy drama. Is this finally the X-rated cut where we get to see the fuck? Wasn't it, wasn't it always the X-rated cut on DVD? I feel like they always had that out, right? Yeah, this is just, apparently this was never on Blu-ray before. This is the first time. Um, I remember liking this movie when it came out, but I honestly never think about it <laughs> since then. But I've never seen it. Oh, it's it's good. Yeah, it's a good, like, you know, it's a, that one of those erotic spy thriller types that and Ang Lee does you it really well. You love erotic thrillers. No, I do, and I really... Yeah, we don't like them when they're this classy, exactly. right? Exactly. A little too classy for me. No, I, I definitely enjoyed this movie when it came out, but it's one of those movies. I remember it was big around, like, Oscar time that year, and, you know, you just watch it to be, like, up on all the big movies, and then you just never yeah, really think about it Yeah, but your speed is more like the next film, Girl Interrupted, right? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to confess I've never seen this movie, shockingly. What? How? I know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was like, obviously, it was very much in the lexic, the pop culture lexicon when I was growing up. I remember watching it win at the Oscars. I was like really into Angelina Jolie at the time. I was into Winona Ryder. Like everything about it screamed to me, but I just never saw it for whatever reason. I've just yeah, never caught up with it. Yeah, but you were like James it. Mangold? No. You know That's what? where I, I draw the but line. But I like James Mangold too. I really liked Copland, which he did, which was the movie he did before this. 
Um, I like uh, Walk the Line a lot. Like, I like a lot of the stuff he did around this time. So I don't know. I really don't know why I never watched this. I was going to potentially try and catch up with it before recording, and I just never got to it. But one day, one day I will so catch up So that means he'll never watch it. As Loyal Bay uh, <laughs> video podcast. Yeah, part of me feels like I just missed the time for it, too. You I know? mean, you didn't miss the time. You missed it now because we could have talked about it on this podcast. So you really dropped the ball. I do, yeah. Yeah, it's done forever. Sorry, girl. Sorry, girl interrupted. I missed you. I mean, but you can speak. Speak to Lassie 1994, right? Sure. No, I, I mean, I think I saw this on TV when I was a kid. I oh, know, my right? God, Mark. Have you seen Lassie 1994 no. style? Why would I watch this? <laughs> I threw it on in the store uh, recently just to like kind of – remind myself like try, try to try and figure out if i'd actually seen this or not it oh it opened it's very like a modern day version which i wasn't expecting i thought it was going to be like some period piece but it opens with some kid like uh skateboarding in their wicked half pipe that they've built in their uh in their garage and i was like oh this movie's oh, like that sounds great oh does lassie do any extreme sports i would sports? assume he gets on a skateboard at some point or else like what's the point of even making this movie right but, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but yeah for some reason paramount has been actually has a lot of uh, 90s era family films they're putting out on blu-ray uh, none of which have arrived yet because we're in that whole technicolor shutdown and it's affecting a lot of paramount product but it, for some reason Lassie's the only one that slipped through the cracks so that's the one the people want right Lassie head from yeah from especially the 1994 version right that's, that's so the moving most on one. to new stuff um, new, 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 new. mark take us away new, 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 new. All right, got some back to superheroes because we got Wonder Woman 1984. Clearly, I didn't see this. Did not you? good, really not good. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, people really seem to turn on this franchise, but I don't know. I have I have no affiliation with any superhero movies. So <laughs> yeah, I have no affiliation and never have been a member of the superhero yes. <laughs> watching committee. Uh, but a movie that some everybody really did like uh, is Another Round, the new Thomas Vinterberg movie, which is one of the more most acclaimed foreign films of this past year. I uh, haven't gotten around to this one yet, but I do love Thomas Vinterberg stuff and I hear this is fantastic. Uh, every time I think of him now, I'm like, Wait, didn't he make a movie about, like, well, some uh, accusations of sexual assault are false? I saw like, The Hunt, I guess you're talking about. Yeah, I, I saw – I really like that movie and I see why – yeah, it's tricky it's tricky subject matter. I yeah. did like it at the time too, but then I talked to someone who changed my mind who was like, yeah, it's really good, but discussing something that almost never happens, but making it seem like – you know, a regular occurrence. I give him, I guess, maybe a bit more of a pass because he also did the celebration, Ooh, which is I like love the, the celebration which is the flip side, right? Like that is about abuse actually happening. So, and I remember when I saw the hunt at TIFF uh, at the time, he was there and he talked about that, wanting like because he did the celebration, he wanted to explore it in a different way. He's like, now I've been red pilled. <laughs> I know that this doesn't happen. I think it's just so well done, though, that it doesn't necessarily bother me. But I totally understand if people have problems with that. But I love a lot of his other stuff. I think Dear Wendy is really underrated. Cool movie. Uh, he made a really good movie called It's All About Love. With Okay. I was about to ask. You are the only person who has ever said that it's a really good movie. I really like that movie. But I know it doesn't get uh, doesn't really get the love that uh, I think it should. But uh, I don't know. I've always been a fan of him. So I will definitely be catching up with this nope, at some point. Nope. Mark's not going to watch it moving no, on i'm not gonna uh, watch it moving on we've got uh rams which is a english language remake of rams from a few years ago the um 
Icelandic film? I, I saw the original at TIFF at a screening that was so packed that I had to sit like in the balcony of one of the <laughs> oh, wow, uh, Lightbox really? theaters. And yeah, it was it was fine. The movie. I liked it. Yeah, I also saw it at TIFF. Uh, I don't think I was in your screening. I feel like it was somewhere else, but because it wasn't that Yeah, packed. you weren't at the uh, the pleb screening like that me. I wasn't at the premiere of it. Yeah, I liked it a lot, um, but I wasn't really clamoring for a remake. I could see why this is like easy fodder for a yeah, remake. Yeah, especially with especially, Sam Neill. He's the Rams man. Especially with Sam Neill in it uh i feel like this is really going to appeal to like an older crowd especially a crowd that maybe doesn't want want subtitles on their movies but i would just say watch the original you know just watch the original uh moving on we've got 55 steps which is a new film from billy august uh it stars hillary hillary swank and helena bonham carter uh this movie seems like it's from a different time because hillary swank plays a psychiatrist who starts forms a relationship with her patient in a mental war played by Helena Bonham Carter. Who and her name is Harley Quinn and Helena Bonham Carter plays the Joker. Well, Helena Bonham Carter actually seems like she's going full like Sean Penn and I Am Sam in this oh, movie, no. which looks even really? her like, yeah, like you should take a look at her face on the cover of this movie too. It's really, I mean, I love Helena Bonham Carter, I really do, but this movie feels like it was from like 20 years ago or something um, because like... Oh, it's a 2017 film. And it's 20, it's taken a while, yeah. It played festivals and stuff in 2017. It's finally coming out now. I can only guess because you know, nobody really wanted to touch this, although the director is very well acclaimed, pretty big deal on the, you know, international. Oh, yeah, he's like a French director who did like a bunch of The Best Intentions. The Night Train, a version of Les Miserables, and like all international director, an episode of The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So it just seems like this is something that... From a different time. Yeah, nobody really wants to see. From a different time. This just seems like a movie from the 90s or something. Anyways, moving on. What's that? More more Lassie? We've got <laughs> Lassie coming. <laughs> this is an all Lassie episode. Of the- <laughs> We've got a new Lassie movie called Lassie Come Home. Nobody wants this movie? <laughs> Throw you down a well? <laughs> all right. <laughs> so the funny thing about this, this is a German production of Lassie. Oh, no. But the – and it's put out uh, by a Canadian company here. Schnell. I know. And unfortunately, this is a dubbed DVD. This actually doesn't come in German. They've just dubbed Wait, this in so English. Wait, so it was shot in German. It's, shot in, it's a full-on German production, shot in German, but the DVD in North America is just dubbed in English, so they didn't even bother. Like, I guess they're just trying to pitch it to families and make it seem like an American movie. Why don't movie. they just rename like a 90s Lassie movie? It's not like people are going to be like, I want mine from 2020. Exactly, right? So, Oh, Lassie, Lassie, come home. So is it like a story about like Lassie during the Third Reich yeah, exactly. goes to Germany, gets involved with some of their uh, fascistic politics, and yeah, then... You know. You know, come home, Lassie, Lassie goes, please. Lassie, come home. Don't do this to yourself. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, then moving on, we've got A Perfect Planet, which is the latest David Attenborough BBC Earth series. They just keep cranking these things out. I don't know what else he has to talk about about the Earth, but apparently there's yeah, more. Yeah, the Earth is perfect. perfect. Look, look at it. Uh, then we've got a Minor Premise, which is from yet another Vinegar Syndrome imprint called Utopia. They released uh, the Ross Brothers Bloody Nose Empty Pockets a little while ago. This is their second release. This is uh, like a sci-fi film. I actually saw this at Fantasia last year where it premiered. Yeah, I've seen this it's all right yeah, it yeah. seems like it wants to be like a primer type thing it really, really wants to be primer. really bad but it's just not 
as smart or interesting or good at all. It has a fun uh, idea that I don't think it does enough with. Yeah, it's like a guy who's like basically exploring his different consciousnesses. So he like splits his consciousness into like 10 separate ones and it all switches. Every six minutes, actually. Every six minutes, sorry. Yeah. And he keeps turning into these different versions of himself. Yeah, really interesting idea. I just thought it wasn't very well executed at all. But got Office Uprising, which is a new zombie comedy uh, that just looks kind of Listen, bad, the only honestly. zombie comedy I wanted from Zack Snyder and his Army of the Dead <laughs> coming soon to Netflix. Uh, in more horror, we've got The Toll, which is a Canadian horror movie about a couple who is like on uh, some sort of rural excursion and they, you know, um, have to pay this supernatural creature called the Toll Man or something. <laughs> or it's the Toll Man. <laughs> it kind of just reminds me of the Bye Bye Man or something when I look at the cover, but it's, um, but yeah, it's not. And then moving on, we've got, this is something that you'll be able to speak a lot about, Journeys Through French Cinema from Cohen, which is the TV series follow-up to Bernard Trevin. Yeah, Taverny. Uh, his documentary he made uh, a few years ago called My Journey Through French Cinema. Now he's made a follow-up series to that. And he just passed away recently. Recently, yep, I think he passed away last week. Uh, Bertrand Tavernier is like my favorite cinephile director. He's written many, many books on the subject. Probably most famously, he wrote like a dictionary of American cinema with like critical essays about his uh, filmmakers and like screenwriters. And this was kind of a reaction to that because that's what he was known for. Is that he's like, oh, I like French movies too. So he made that like three and a half hour documentary where he went through a bunch of stuff. I believe that was called My Journeys Through French Cinema. And this is the follow-up where it gets, like, really into the nitty-gritty. And it's, like, seven and a half hours long. It's mostly him just, like, sitting in front of a table talking about his favorite, like, French movies. I've seen, like, two hours of this. It is so good. Like, he talks about movies that if you look online, like, no one's reviewed them on Letterboxd. They have, like, no IMDb reviews. So, like, real, real deep cuts. I'm very, I'm really excited that Kino or Cohen put this out, so I will be picking it up. Oh, because Kino put out the first version and Cohen's doing this one? Is Cohen a Kino offshoot? Well, Cohen put out the first one as well. So, Cohen was just recently bought by Kino. That's why I saw it on the Kino website. For, yeah, when the first one came out, it was just Cohen was, I think, its own label, and now they're getting distribution through Kino. So it looks the same. Like they still have the same packaging, same labeling and everything. Um, and this is actually kind of confusing because even the artwork on the front is it, the it same. Looks identical. Like when I when it was first coming up, I honestly thought it was just a repackage of the original film. But no, it's definitely a different series. But be careful because, yeah, the artwork and the packaging look exactly identical. But the, to and the, the name release. is the same, too. The and name it, is virtually the it's same. It's credited differently. Like in different places, too, because like people either screwed up and got the name wrong or like I was trying to look on their website and it was very confusing to find the right one. And but now just no base video has it. We now. do. And just look at the cover. It does say on the cover, if you look, that it's like the eight part miniseries follow up to it. So it does say that on there. But like if you weren't really paying attention, it just looks like. The same uh, so, thing. yeah, big recommendation. And if you didn't see it, because you don't follow me on Twitter, I actually translated an interview he did with Quentin Tarantino. From French to English. You can find it at filmtrap.com. It's a great interview. Check it out. First long form uh, translation thing I've done. Very easy. I do it again if something was interesting enough. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Pay him. Pay him to do it. He's good. So it. finally. Finally. For our blind buy this week. Because <gasps> blind we haven't done that yet. Is 
a new Abel Ferrara film is hitting our shelves, and it is called The Projectionist. Uh, Kino's Whoa! putting it out. Oh, I thought you would have seen this. You're a big Abel Ferrara uh, I know. Head. Well, I've been waiting for it to come out to watch it because, yeah, I was definitely interested in this. He is just, like, cranking out movies these days, too. He feel like he makes, like, two or three a year almost. Uh, this is a documentary, uh, which he's done a few of in recent years, and it's really fascinating stuff. It follows a guy from Cyprus who immigrated to America and became basically, like, a theater owner slash manager, basically a theater exhibitor, one of the biggest theater exhibitors in New York, starting from like the 70s to right up to the present day. He's worked in all different kinds of theaters, um, right? Like even porno theaters, which he goes into in the 70s. Yeah, even gay theaters, yeah, like gay absolutely. porno theaters. And he still runs like independent locations in New York now. Uh, he runs a few like multiplex kind of things. And he basically just provides a history of like theaters in New York City from basically like the 70s right up until the present day. And watching the documentary, you'll be like, what? Why is this documentary about this person? And then at the end, it's amazing where he's like, I own all these theaters. I maintain them. He's like, I could sell them and get like condos or something put here. He's like, I don't want to do it. I want it to be theaters. If more theaters come up, I'm going to buy more theaters because I love theaters. Yeah, he basically he's a very sound businessman because obviously there are a few locations he turned into like a hotel thing club or like he sold off. So he's definitely like he's real. He's a realist, but he also just loves the experience of going to the movies. And that's why I think it's like kind of the perfect time for a movie like this to come out because it really like it honestly, it, it almost brought a tear to my eye just thinking about the theatrical experience and what we've lost not really having that for the last year. Uh, it's just like such a love letter to going to the movies, you know, made by a guy who clearly loves movies and Abel Ferrara. And you're just talking to a guy who clearly grew up. All he ever wanted to do was just like facilitate showing people movies. Uh, his name's Nicholas Nicolau, by the way. And yeah, he's uh, basically like still going strong to this day. And it's just his life's passion to like run movie theaters. He is incredibly rich as well. He is so rich. I mean, he's made a ton of money, but you know what? He doesn't like come off as much like an asshole as like a lot of rich people do, you know? Um, did you, did you like this movie? Though? Oh yeah. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. I love how unassuming the main guy is. Like he's like very quiet. Yeah. And he just talks about like, I just love theaters, you know, just showing movies. He doesn't even seem like a particular cinephile. He just likes the idea of theaters. Yeah, he's not at all. And I found that really interesting. He's really just kind of like this practical guy who just like grew up in the movies and just going to see movies. I really like, like Abel Ferrara will at times mention like, oh, you've seen this movie or that movie? And he like clearly doesn't know what Abel Ferrara is talking about. But then he will talk about like art films from the 70s and when people would line up to watch like Last Tango in Paris or something. And he was like working those theaters. Like it's just his insight to how the theatrical business has gone in New York and in largely just in America in general over the last, I guess, 40, 50 years is, is frankly just really fascinating. Um, and the stuff, his insights into how it was in the seventies and how, um, working between like legitimate theaters and like porno theaters, it's really great stuff. And Abel Ferrar cuts in a lot of film clips of really interesting stuff that kind of like complements, uh, what he's talking about. Lots of, lots of really strange, interesting porno clips in there too, which kind of like, uh, provide some humor alongside what this guy's I talking about. I love the scene where Abel Ferrer is like, Hey, did you like the movie? Blade Runner, eh? What'd you think? And then it's like some like high schoolers are explaining Blade Runner 2049 to Abel Ferreira. <laughs> I thought that was so cute though. And like such a beautiful note. Cause that's like basically the final scene 
scene or one of the final scenes. It's just so cute because it's just like Abel Ferrara just talking to like, you know, the new generation of filmmakers and these all these like 14 year old kids who've just been like, like super they have no stoked. idea who they're talking to. But you can tell like how like passionate they are. I just I could see myself in these kids, you know, when I was that age, just like passionately discussing. Yeah, it's something like Blade Runner 2049. And Abel Ferrara is just like so he's not like railing against like all oh, mainstream movies have taken over everything. It's just like, no, this is just like the cinema experience for a new generation like just times change and people change and this is a new generation i don't know it just had like a really warm kind of like humanistic bent to it i, I just hey really, what are really you seeing like what, what are you seeing today battle of the sexes Ugh, get that at home <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh yeah i love when he's just talking to random people just like yeah what are you seeing today what he's and you know that's why i love abel ferrari he's just a man of the people he's just a man of the people right <laughs> yeah i, I lo- like he looks like a special effect at this point oh my like, god walking around he seems, like yeah that. he seems like he's fallen apart but but in like but a great is way he, like, is he how is he so productive yeah how is he so so productive. I feel like he's kind of getting a resurgence these days too. Like I feel like more people are discovering his films. Oh my god, he is only sixty nine years old. I thought he was much. Older. I feel like he's lived a hard life though. I feel Absolutely. like he had some drug and alcohol problems at some point. But you know what? He is just. He's also just the perfect person for this movie because he's just always been a great chronicler of New York. He always talks about like what New York was like, how New York has changed. So he's just the perfect person to take this on. And yeah, I've read some reviews where people are like, uh, it's like a slight movie. Like there's nothing much to it, but like, I don't know. I just think it was a really pleasant, fun watch. I was in it the whole time. It didn't, it didn't feel slight to me. Cause even if it's, even though it just focuses on one kind of small thing, I feel like it's just kind of indicative of like a larger sort of like sense of community and just, exhibiting art and everything it just really it just really struck a chord with me maybe because we're like huge movie fans maybe that's it but it just really really worked for me art like clint eastwood's american sniper which saved the cinema yeah exactly (laughs) which saved the cinemas they actually talk about that at one point but it's interesting you know it's not like there aren't really questions of like whether American Sniper is like a good or bad movie or what that means for like the art of cinema. It doesn't really matter. It's just like, yeah, this is a movie that like literally saved cinema and brought people to the movies and made money. So and that's what this is kind of I I guess you could say that that's like cynical on one hand, but I also didn't find it that cynical. I found it kind of like the opposite of that. I don't know. I'm not really summing this up well, but I what is the opposite of not feeling shame? Unshame? Yeah, I would never go see a movie like American Sniper. I have no interest in something like American Sniper, but I just like the exploration of like what kind of things bring people out to the movies, you know, and what kind of thing like make people want to sit in like a dark room together and like enjoy this communal experience. I, I don't know. Uh, it was just the whole thing was just great to me. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Wait, I want people to listen to a basement video podcast in a dark room with a number of other people. They can all laugh together. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Actually, but you can't do that due to the virus. And, you know, the fact that if you live in Ontario, oh, boy. Uh, our government's very bad at this. Yeah, we're uh, we're failing. Looking on Twitter and everybody's like, I'm getting my vaccination appointment. And it's like, oh, man. Well, at least people aren't in Canada. 
Yeah. Do you know the UK has like 35 million people vaccinated out of like, I don't know what their population is, 50 million, I think? Yeah. No, we are failing so hard here at that. So hard. So on that note. <laughs> on, that note on that depressing note, you know. <laughs> well, it was uplifting with the projectionist and then you just made it depressing. But you Yeah, know. slapped you with a cold, hard fist of reality. That's it from us this week at the Bay Street Video Yep, podcast. Bay Street Video, still open. Call. Email. You know, set yep, up an appointment. Come on by to pick up stuff curbside or we can ship it out for you. All right. So until next week, my name is Justin Zaglou. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. On renting. Abel Ferreira movies forever. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Which is the one that you would recommend? Big fan of Miss 45. I know that's kind of an obvious one. I mean, I would say The Driller Killer, but I feel like that's a little more esoteric. So Miss 45 is a good, like... I think a good entry point for like his more like avant-garde Ooh, stuff. I like the vampire one he made though. Uh, oh, the addiction is excellent. Yeah, really like the addiction. And you know, if you want something that's like an easy entry point, I would say King of New York is also really good. Like because it's got that like slick sort of like '90s gang kind of thing. But I, you know, I love Bad Lieutenant too. I love pretty much almost all of his films. I mean, some of his like early 2000s stuff when he was shooting on like DV is like, you know, like New Rose Hotel is a little like wonky, but I don't know. I just have always, I always find something fascinating about his movies, even the ones that I don't necessarily love.